It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guess what day it is, Reds fans. Happy Wednesday, and thanks for downloading and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your secondhand expert, your cheap seat crony. My name is Jeff Carr. We got some Hall of Fame stuff to talk about today on the podcast. But before we get to all of that, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And check us out on Twitter at Jeff Carr, J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R, and at Locked On Reds. Let's jump right into today's news and notes. We're talking about Hall of Fame and the new candidates that have gone in. In case you missed it, there were four new Hall of Famers voted in just um, Tuesday night. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. As you know, I record the day before. But um, the players voted in of the four. Two of them were starting pitchers and Mike Messina and Roy Halladay. One was a closer, Mariano Rivera. He set the record for the first ever unanimous Hall of Famer. And the last was a designated hitter, Edgar Martinez. He played for the Seattle Mariners. So when you look at these four, you know, you can debate until the cows come home on most of them. And especially with the unanimous voting of Mariano Rivera, him being the first one to ever make it in with 100% of the vote. Now, obviously, you can't go back and redo old votes. I mean, there's plenty of guys that have gone into the Hall of Fame that have a better candidacy overall than Mariano Rivera, but he is the best closer that there ever was. I don't think that you can really, I mean, you could probably make a case for a couple of guys being close, but I still don't think that there's an argument out there that convinces me he's not the best. Does that make him worthy of being the first ever unanimous guy? I mean, hey, you know, it happens. There was a lot of flack that was coming at the uh, MLB writers for not having ever done that because there's plenty of guys who have deserved to be unanimous Hall of Famers. I mean, when you're talking about the fact that, you know, you know, obviously if Mariano Rivera is the first ever unanimous player, just, you know, point and click on a famous baseball player who's not named him, he didn't get in unanimously. So obviously there's plenty of guys that you could put there that if you're looking at it, but looking at this objectively, then they deserved it, you know, deserve to be unanimous as well. This did get me thinking though, what red currently on the roster has candidacy to be in the hall of fame, you know, whenever his career is all said and done. And to be honest with you, I mean, some guys like Eugenio Suarez, and there's really a long way off for them. They've got a long career ahead of them. A lot can happen between now and then. So really, the only guy that we're looking at is Joey Votto. And that really shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, Joey Votto is an awesome player. He's His resume, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, is you know kind of right there where he needs to be. He's got a little bit more work, um, you know, comparatively, according to Bill James, kind of meter thing that he created to measure a possible hall of fame player. He's pretty close in the black ink test or sorry, pretty close in the gray ink test, which is just talking about how many times a player finishes in the top 10 of 
critical batting statistics like homers and RBIs, batting average, that sort of thing. And he's he's one off of the average Hall of Famer. The average Hall of Famer has finished in the top 10 in 144 times. He's finished 143. Um, and you look at some other different things, and he's pretty close. As far as the average Hall of Fame first baseman, the average Hall of Fame first baseman has a 42.7 seven-year peak wins above replacement. So during a seven-year period, the best that they did was 42.7. Joey Votto, in a seven-year period, had a peak war of 46.1. So he's right there where he needs to be. I just feel like, you know, he's got to mass some more hits. He's got to get some more homers and some more RBIs, and he's going to solidify that. And I think he can. I mean, there's a lot of people predicting that his power numbers will bounce back in 2018. The last year's numbers that he finished with in the power categories are not the new normal for Joey Votto. There's just something up. And even he said, you know, going into the offseason, he was really focusing on getting those back. He said that when it came to his performance last year, he was disappointed. And a lot of his numbers, you know, the typical numbers that you look at for Joey Votto, like on base percentage and stuff like that, they're pretty similar. Now, he did bat 284, which is 30 points below his career batting average of 311. So obviously, that's something he's going to want to look to change, but he still had an on base percentage of 417. Just to describe a hitter as Joey Votto like is a man that is patient. He understands the strike zone. He understands how to work a pitcher and force the pitcher to throw more than he wants to. And that is his specialty. Now, if he brings that power aspect back this year, then, you know, he finished second MVP voting in 2017. I don't see why he wouldn't be up there again this year if he can bring back the power numbers. But just when you look at Joey Votto, he does have the pedigree to be the next Reds Hall of Famer. And not just in the Reds Hall of Fame, I mean in the in the baseball Hall of Fame. He's obviously a Reds Hall of Famer. But to join the list of guys like Joe Morgan, Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr., those guys to get into the Hall of Fame, Joey Votto, I think, has the ability to do that. You know, assuming health, you never can predict whether a guy will be healthy the rest of his career. But I feel like he's done a good job of taking care of himself. And he has a pretty you know, routine as far as like his swing mechanics. And he's very cognizant of how to control those. And he's very cognizant of his fielding and all of that different things. He's a very smart player. He's probably, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue this, but I would almost argue he's one of the smartest, if not the smartest player in the game today. And he's still got a few more good years ahead of him. So I, I'll be interested to see just how he finishes those out. But I do think he's got a really solid chance at being the next Hall of Famer for the Cincinnati Reds. But I just want to talk about Hall of Fame for a little bit. I know that was fr- fresh on everyone's mind. We'll go into a quick break for a couple of ads. And then when we come back, I'm going to take a look at this next coming season with um, just kind of what the Reds have done so far and reasons to be excited. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Spring training is coming, Reds fans, and that means Cactus League action will begin in Arizona. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. You've got the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley. If you're a Western fan like me, you can go see Tombstone in the OK Corral. 
all kinds of fun stuff, even for the family, with resorts and water parks and all sorts of things like that. And heck, there's plenty of golfing to do in Arizona as well. In the greater Phoenix area is all 15 Major League Baseball teams in the Cactus League, including the Reds. With 10 stadiums, you can see all of your favorite baseball players from all of your favorite different teams. Start planning your spring training trip to Arizona at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Go out and see the Reds, meet your favorite baseball players, maybe even get an awesome autograph or picture or two. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks for downloading and listening once again. In the first half, we talked briefly about the Hall of Fame inductees, and we talked about how Joey Votto could be the Reds' next Hall of Famer. But the Reds have garnered some national attention, especially after getting Sonny Gray from the Yankees in a sign-and-trade deal. Well, you know, they signed him to a four-year extension. Well, essentially a four-year extension, three years with a club option for the fourth year. But in doing so, you know, they acquired Alex Wood and Tanner Roark, who are both one-year guys. With Sonny Gray being now a four-year guy, possibly five years, he is the guy that they're going to build the rotation around. And what is something that we've been looking for these last few years? We've been looking for this ace. And in fact, the Reds have been harping on well, the Reds fans, us, you know, me in particular, have been harping on Luis Castillo to become Johnny Cueto. And that's just not fair to Luis Castillo. Like, it's a good comp for Johnny Cueto, but to expect him to be what Johnny Baseball was to the Reds, that's just not fair to Luis Castillo. And now that the Reds have someone to draw the attention on the pitching staff, I feel like Luis Castillo is going to have plenty of room to grow this year, and there's not going to be so much scrutiny on him as there was in the past couple of years where, I mean, he was the best pitcher on the team, but at the same time, he wasn't producing like we wanted him to. We were looking for that ERA to be right there around three or something like that, and he was still getting his feet wet. He was still getting his legs underneath him in the major leagues. So now I feel like 2008 or 2019, sorry, is uh, ripe for a breakout for Luis Castillo because of these moves. The front office has garnered the national attention. Like John Smoltz was talking about the Sonny Gray move and he made a funny comment saying, he's like, I'm not sure what the Reds are doing here. I guess they're trying to compete for 2019, but it's also a move to compete for years past 2019. And that's really the plan. Because when you look at it as a a whole, what the Reds got, they got a guy who didn't have a great year last year and he's got a chance to bounce back. But more importantly, what they gave up, they didn't give up their future. Because what was the big hang-up with the Corey Kluber trade? They wanted Nick Senzel, or they wanted Taylor Trammell. And if the Reds were able to acquire someone who has the ability to be their staff ace, I'm not saying Sonny Gray is Corey Kluber, but he has the ability to anchor this rotation, and they didn't have to give up someone who was even ready to be up this year, then... That is a win-win for the Reds, something that I'm very happy with the front office for doing. I feel like all of their deals have been pretty savvy because when you break it down, they gave up Homer Bailey and two minor leaguers who, although they were highly touted minor leaguers, they still were in the lower rungs of the minor league ladder. 
that is a very savvy move, especially just to get anyone who could play the game of baseball for Homer Bailey. Because when you look at it, it was very highly possible that they were just going to cut bait and run this year with him. They were just going to sign him a check and, you know, send him on his way. But the Dodgers end up doing that for them. And they give them Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood, and Kyle Farmer for him. And the Reds have gotten so deep because of that trade. Think about this now. Their pitching staff is pretty much set going into spring training. Let's say Disco is the fifth guy. We've got Sonny Gray. Alex Wood, Luis Castillo, Tanner Rourke, and Anthony DiSclefani are your five. Then you've got Tyler Malley in case someone needs, you know, a, a, an extra day of rest or something. He can slot in there and be your slot starter. Or if someone gets hurt, he can take their place very easily. Very talented young guy with a bright future. He's probably got a higher upside than Disco, but I think out of the gate, Disco is going to be that fifth guy. And then even beyond that, we're talking about uh, Sal Romano and Cody Reed, two guys who showed flashes at times last year, uh, pitching pretty well. And they'll probably, you know, I, I'd imagine they'd start out the season in the bullpen. I don't think that they'd start out the season in AAA, just unless they have a really bad spring. And you've got even guys like Brandon Finnegan. I know that he's kind of been discounted. People have kind of forgotten about him. He had a really rough year last year. But we can't forget the fact that he was actually a really strong prospect coming over here from Kansas City. That's not something that just goes away. I feel like the talent is there. There was just some sort of block that he's got to get over. And now with the pitching coaching staff being overhauled, I feel like he's got an opportunity to really work on some things and really, you know, um, benefit from the coaching of Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham and Lee Tunnell and those guys. So I'm interested to see that, you know, they've got the depth in the pitching. Now you look at hitting, and obviously there's questions defensively in center field, but just for a moment, bear with me with the lineup side of things. They have a very deep lineup, too. Really, the the only um, the only spot in the lineup that I would kind of see, and, and I say this sensitively because I really like Tucker Barnhart as a player, but as far as the lineup goes, he's not someone that an opposing pitcher is really worried about getting out, but he's really the only one. I mean, think about this. You're going to have Joey Votto. You're going to have Scooter Jeanette. You're going to have Jose Peraza, who was an awesome hitter last year. You had Eugenio Suarez. Now you have Yasiel Puig, and on different days, Matt Kemp. And both those guys are electric hitters. Matt Kemp still. You've got Scott Shebler, who showed flashes of really great hitting last year. And Jesse Winker, who could possibly, you know, if he's healthy, maybe put together a full season of above 400 on base percentage. And then maybe Nixon Zell added in there too. And he's compiled quite a batting average in the minor leagues. And he's one of the highest rated prospects in Major League Baseball. So it's going to be a heck of a lineup put together. I definitely could see them scoring, you know, right around 750 runs in, you know, who knows, maybe Joey Votto's power numbers come back, like I mentioned in the first half, and they even approach 800. At that point, your pitching staff doesn't have to be full of Cy Young candidates. They just have to be okay. And what do we have? We have a pretty okay rotation. So I'm very enthusiastic about this season 
And I know we've still got time before spring training, but when it's all said and done, I mean, Dick Williams still says they're looking at making moves. Maybe they bring in a center fielder and you're just looking at a really strong team. Now people are paying attention to them. John Smoltz said last couple of years, they were a team that you're like, Ugh, maybe they might even lose a hundred games. You can't say that about them this year. Like I see no scenario outside of a ton of injuries where the Reds are a disappointing 90 to 100 lost team. I really think they're going to be right around 500 as is. And if they make a few more moves, who knows? We could be talking about a very special year in Cincinnati. So get excited, Reds fans. Pitchers and catchers report in 22 days and spring training is upon us. And kind of like I mentioned earlier in the Arizona tourism ad, make sure you check out visitarizona.com slash spring training if you're looking to get out and see some Reds baseball here in the coming month. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Wednesday edition of the podcast. Tomorrow we'll have Throwback Thursday. Going to get into something that I kind of teased last week and then that got changed around on me with Marty Brenneman, but we're going to look at a very obscure lineup from the Cincinnati Reds, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So look for that podcast tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, and you've been listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 